Hello, and welcome to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast. In this weekly podcast, you'll be inspired and equipped through the power of God's Word to live an overcoming life. And now for this week's message. This morning, you should have some notes when you came in. Would you grab your message notes and also grab your Bible? Maybe you brought it the old-fashioned way. That's good. Or you have it on an app. Uh, Get it ready. Get it out because we're going to be going into the message here this morning and uh, talking about continuing on our year's theme, devoted. Our theme for the month is our Father. And today we'll be talking about our Father's protection. So... Let's pray, and then we'll get into the word for this morning. Father, we thank you today that we have your word. You said your word is alive. You said in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. And so today we embrace it. We devote ourselves to it. Lord, we love your word. We love you. You love us. And because of that, we can love others. We can love ourselves. And I pray today that you would speak to us by your spirit, that you'd speak to us through your word, that we would know that as our Father, you're with us, that you never leave us, that you protect us. You are our Lord, and we are your people, and you dwell with us. So thank you for dwelling with us here and, again, giving us fresh insight into your word. May our faith grow, our trust level in you grow as a result of today. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, this morning we're going to be talking about our Father's protection. You have a God who looks after you, protects you, cares about you immensely. And our theme, as I mentioned, this whole year is on being devoted, and your Father is very devoted to you. There's a lot of different names for God, and Kind of like Eskimos. Eskimos have 52 names for snow. That's a lot of different names for snow. I grew up in the prairies. We had a lot of snow, and snow was snow. And I was kind of glad to get out of the snow. But the the Eskimos love snow. It's very important to them, so they have a lot of different names for it that describe the different attributes of snow. God has different names that describe his attributes, his characteristics, the way he is. And his name is important. For a long time, I don't know if it's that way for you, but for a long time growing up, I thought Jesus Christ, I thought Christ was the last name for Jesus. And then one day somebody taught me, no, that's not his last name, that's his title. It's actually Jesus Christ or Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the Anointed One, Jesus the King whom God has chosen. That's really what his last name is. It's not his last name, it's a title. And uh, then Jesus is actually Yeshua, the same way we get Bill, out of William, we get Jesus out of Yeshua. But I I didn't know that about his name. Names are important. Your name is important. You like when somebody remembers your name, calls you by your name, or if somebody calls you a different name, you say, no, 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 my name's this. You quickly correct them because your name is important. It's, It's who you are. God has a name, and he has different names that describe who he is. So today we're going to look at one of those names that talk about his protection. I also misunderstood some other things growing up. I thought Christ was Jesus' last name. And as a kid growing up, I thought that Jesus was crucified in Calgary. And uh, I know it's silly, isn't it? But I was convinced that he was crucified in Calgary. And uh, I heard that when I was growing up on my Sunday school stories. And one day, because we farmed in southern Alberta... Uh, near Pincher Creek, Alberta, we're driving up to Calgary. And I remember driving up through Fort McLeod towards Granham and 
and up towards the Calgary, and I, I said to Dad in the back seat, I said, Dad, will we see where Jesus was crucified in Calgary? And my dad, he looked at me, he turned around, to the, and, he, and he, was, he looked at me, he says, what do you mean? I said, well, we're going to see, can I see where Jesus was crucified? He goes, what do you mean? Well, I said, aren't we going to Calgary? He goes, no, 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 son, Jesus was crucified at Calvary, not in Calgary. And so that was a big aha moment for me. And I pray today that maybe you have an aha moment of the greatness of God, that God has different names, and his names mean, one of them means, of course, his protection. If you go through the list of names of our Father, some of the things that describe him is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider. He's a God who provides for you. There's Jehovah Shalom, the God of our peace, brings stability into your life. There's Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our healer. He's a God who heals us. There's Jehovah Sidkenu, our righteousness. He's a forgiver. Uh, one of the names of God that I like is Jehovah Nisi, which is his banner over us. You remember that song? It's from the Song of Solomon. His banner over us is love. And his banner over us, his, it's like a flag. Jehovah has a flag. And that flag represents safety, protection, covering. Uh, if you go to another country, let's say you lost your passport, you look for the Canadian embassy, flying the Canadian flag, and you know when you get into that embassy, you're under the protection of the Canadian government because a flag is flying there, right? Remember the movie that came out this year, Argo? In that movie, Argo, they escape from the six people from the U.S. Embassy, and they make their way over to the Canadian ambassador's home, and they stay there. Where under the Canadian flag, they're protected there because that Canadian flag would represent something. It represents the strength behind it, the standards behind it. Uh, if you see a U.S. flag, you think of the strength behind that country. That flag represents something. And so one of the names of God is God, our banner. His flag represents strength. There's, a, there's something that comes with that. There's another name that speaks of God's protection, which is Jehovah, our shepherd. He's the one who shepherds us. Psalm 23, he protects us. He's there for us. When we're in danger, he reaches out with his staff and he rescues us. So those are names that speak of our Father's protection. You have a heavenly Father that's out to protect you. Fathers instinctively want to protect, and our heavenly Father protects us. There's another name that speaks of God's protection, and it's in your notes if you have your notes, and that is Jehovah Sabaoth. It almost looks like Sabbath, but it's not Sabbath. It's different. It means Lord of hosts. And if you go to your Old Testament and in the New Testament, it, we find this word twice in James and in Romans. However, the name means the Lord of hosts. So if you're reading your Bible, you'll find the Lord of hosts, the Lord Almighty, and it's used a lot. It's the most used compound name of God in the scripture. So it's used a lot, and it speaks of the fact that he is the Lord of hosts. Uh, that's the Greek form. In the Hebrew, it's uh, pronounced sebaoth. I don't speak Hebrew, so I'm doing my best to say that. So either way, you, can, you could take it either way. But if you, were, if you were reading Hebrew, you would see Yeshua, no, Yahweh, Sabaoth is what you'd find if you were reading Hebrew. And that's 207 times, so it's there a lot. It means the Lord of hosts, the Lord of the armies, the Lord of hosts of creation, Lord of everything. And uh, when he's there, when he shows up, you've got a God of hosts with you. Let me give you an example that help illustrate this point. A number of years ago, Cheryl and I were on a motorbike trip, and we were coming from Princeton, B.C., towards Hope. And when we came out of Princeton, we're with another couple 
riding motorbikes. And there was a group of about, oh, I don't know how many there was, maybe 30 or more bikers. And uh, they're all driving big touring bikes, big Harleys, Goldwings, and so forth. And, and so we joined this group, and we're traveling together. A long line of bikes weaving their way. Highway number three kind of looked like a long line of ants, just kind of weaving their way through the mountains. And, and we never talked to them. We just kind of hooked up with them, waved to them, riding with them. And we bonded for the next, I don't know, 100 miles or so. We're just traveling through the highway with them. And then my buddy that I was traveling with, he always liked to be the front of the pack. He didn't like to be at the end of a lineup. And so he got to the front of all the motorbikes and then we waved goodbye to them. And uh, then he started passing all the cars we were doing it legally. He was passing safely. He just wanted to get to the front of the line. And so he gets to the front of the line, and then I'm trying to catch up with him. And so I'm passing this car, and I pass this one car. And he, when I went to pass him, he sped up. He, he wasn't going to let me in. So a motorbike has enough power that you can pull ahead. So I pulled ahead and got in. And then he came up beside me, and, uh, and he tried to drive us off the road into a cliff. We've got a solid rocks beside us, and he takes his car, and he's coming at us, and I'm it was scary. So not once, twice, he tries to drive us into the road. He's ticked off that we passed him. And so I said, well, we're out of here. So we pulled out, got ahead of him, and caught up with our friend on the bike. He thought, whew, I'm glad that's behind us. So we come out of Manning Park, and after Manning Park, there's this little gas station. So we pull in the gas station to gas up, and who pulls up? This guy who's ticked off at us. He pulls up in his car. And he comes to a screeching stop, opens a car door. He comes out. He's just livid. And I think, oh, dear. This is going to be a fight. And I really don't feel like fighting this guy. He's so mad. He's got somebody else with him. And I'm looking at Cheryl, and she's looking at me like, this is not good. About that time, these other 50 bikers or whatever it was show up. This stream of ants. The host of bikers has showed up. They see what's going on. They see this, and they remember us riding with them. We bonded, remember, on the ride. And so they show up, and they bring their bikes, and they circle around this guy. You would have given $100 to be there. And then, you know what happens? This guy takes one look. He runs back to his car. Gravel is flying, and he, he, he gets out of there. And I thought, man, how sweet is that? Oh, the the you know, the Lord of hosts, when God shows up, there's a lot who show up with him. Well, all these bikers showed up, and the problem went away. But that's not the best part. The best part is, because they all had leathers on, helmets on. When they took off their helmets, they're all senior citizens. <laughs> it was hilarious. This old grandma, oh, she gets off her bike. She takes off her helmet, and she's laughing. She goes, this is hilarious. That guy's running from us. We're grandpas and grandmas. They're all senior citizens on this bike ride. We had so much fun. We laughed. We had a good chuckle over it. We hung out with them, continued to ride with them. But you know what did it? It was the hosts. There was this power of numbers. This is your God, the Lord of hosts. You know, when he shows up, he's got angel armies. When he shows up, he is the Lord of hosts. He's the big guy, and the big guy's on your side. Will you turn your neighbor and just say, the big guy's on your side. Let's talk a little bit about why we need him. 
Have you ever wished you could call on someone who could not only fight your battles, but also calm your heart? That's what I'm talking about this morning. Ever been bullied? Look for someone to stick up for you. I'm going to talk about the person who will stick up for you today. Have you ever needed someone to push down the mountain of trouble or the obstacles ahead of you? I'll talk about who that is this morning. Have you ever felt stuck when you sense you can't fight or flee from your problems? When you feel alone against a multitude of people or problems? I'll talk about the solution for that today. Do you ever wonder if there's someone looking out for you when you escaped out of a dangerous situation? I'll tell you who that is today. He's the Lord of hosts. He is Jehovah Sabaoth or Yahweh Sebaoth. That's who we're talking about today. Talked about much in the scriptures. All right. So our father looks out for us, number one, if you're taking notes, when we are bullied. Bullying is a big issue today. If you follow the news right now in the news, they're talking about the RCMP has an issue with bullying, and they're trying to deal with that. 2012, last year, our B.C. government came up with a policy called the Workplace Bullying Prevention Act, which gets enforced this November. Every company that hires more than 10 people has to have a bullying policy in place for their company because it's an issue. Uh, it's an issue in schools amongst teens. It's an issue amongst people on on the internet, cyberspace, on social media, bullying is there. And just going through some of the stats, this year Canadian Red Cross said one in five Canadian youth report being bullied regularly. Another stat was 45% of child respondents for the University of Guelph find that they are bullied when they're at school. Uh, another stat, 70% of sexual harassment incidents occurred online according to the University of Toronto. I can give you a long list of stats that there's this issue with bullying. Now, the thing with bullying, it's kind of hard to quantify. What exactly is bullying, for example, at the workplace? So I said, well, can, is there something that kind of describes what that, how would you say that person's being bullied or not being bullied? And they had four characteristics of being bullied in the workplace. One is repetition. It occurs regularly. Two is endure, uh, endures. It goes on. Three, it escalates, it gets worse and worse. But the fourth one is what caught my attention, and that is power disparity. The target lacks the power to successfully defend themselves. A power disparity. Now, here's the deal. When the Lord of hosts is with you, there's no longer a power disparity because he is with you. He said, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. And in a world where bullying takes place, it's so good to know this Lord of hosts that we're talking about today. An example of somebody who's in the, bullied in the Bible is found in 1 Samuel chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, go there to 1 Samuel chapter 1. And we'll talk about a lady by the name of Hannah. And Hannah, who means grace, her, she was bullied. It's an interesting story because her husband's name is Elkanah. And Elkanah has another wife. He has two wives. And that day in that culture, some of the men had more than one wife. I know some of you in our congregation were raised in homes where you had more than one wife. Some maybe from Malaysia, some from Africa have come from countries where there was more than one wife. It's not that way in our country, but still in some places today in our world, it is that way. And this is the way it was for her. Her husband had another wife. And this is where we have the first mention of this name of God, Lord of hosts. 
There's something about it in the Bible where something is first mentioned. Actually, when you study the Bible, there's a law called the law of first mention. Wherever something is mentioned first, that carries with it the rest of the scriptures. Anytime that word is mentioned, you come back and say, how was it first used? Because that's what you want to build your doctrine around, how that was first used. Because that's what God had intended. You could do that for marriage. When is marriage first mentioned? How was where was it? How was it used? What was the setting for marriage at the very beginning? That's law first mentioned that would continue on forward. So here's the first mention of this name, Jehovah Sabaoth, or the Lord of hosts. We find it used in verse 3. And then we pick up the story. This other lady, she's got kids. Hannah doesn't have children. Hannah wants to have babies. Hannah can have babies. And so this other woman continues to harass her. She's got two problems, Hannah. One, she wants to have children. Two, she's got this other wife who continually harasses her. Let's go to verse number six. It says there, and her rival also provoked, or we could say bullied her severely, severely, to make her miserable. Have you ever had somebody in your life, you think their assignment was just to make your life miserable? And that's really what it meant is she kept needling her, provoking her to make her miserable. The literal translation is that she wanted her to blow her top. Sometimes brothers and sisters will do this to one another. Just keep bugging and bugging until eventually you just blow up and you have a reaction. That's what she was doing to Hannah. She just kept needling her and bugging her, bullying her. And here's Hannah, and she's so, she's weeping, she's crying. Her husband says, why, why are you sad? Why are you crying? Look, I'm really good to you. Why are you weeping? Why are you crying? And she tells him the situation. She is so worked up over this, she can't eat. And you know, when you're bullied, when you're picked on over and over and over again, it starts to affect your health. You lose your appetite. You start to lose your identity. You start to wonder, who am I? This is where Hannah's at. Hannah could relate to some of you who have been bullied. And what did she do in that situation? This is where we have that name of God introduced, the Lord of hosts. She needs that motorcycle army to come around her and protect her, so to speak. And so... She goes to prayer, but she's praying in the temple. At that time, it was at Shiloh. It was a portable temple at the time, and they parked it there, and she's praying. And the priest, Eli, sees her praying, and she's praying from her heart. Her mouth is just moving. She's not really saying anything but as she, uh, vocally, but in her heart, she's praying, and he thinks she might have been drinking. He says, have you been drinking? Like, you're so emotional, and you're crying. You're so upset. What's going on in your life? And she says, I'm not drunk. I haven't been drinking. Here's my scenario. And she cries out to God. And we pick up that, what she says in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 11. It's there in your notes. And I took a translation called the Names of God Translation. By the way, you can do this. I just went to Bible Gateway. You can do it Bible Gateway. You have all the different translations. This particular translation is neat because it gives you the literal names of God in it. So that's why I use it for this one because we're talking about the names of God. So she made this vow, Yahweh set by oath. If you will look at my misery, remember me and give me a boy, then I'll give him to you for as long as he lives. A razor will never be used on his head. I'll dedicate him to you. Her son ends up being Samuel. Samuel becomes a prophet, and he will anoint David to become king. So he becomes a very famous man. In the Message Bible, it reads this way. O God of the angel armies, if you will take a hard look at my pain, if you'll quit neglecting me and come into action for me by giving me a son. Have you ever felt this way? Have you ever felt like God's ignoring you? 
Have you ever felt like God quit neglecting me? Like I have been praying about this for a long time. Have you ever felt that way? Okay, a few of you have. <laughs> yeah. You just feel like, God, where are you? I like the way she's praying because it encourages me. You know, she's just being transparent with God. You don't have to put a stained glass window over your prayers. Just be real to God. God, where are you? I cry out to you. Father, I need your help in this moment. And here at this point, she uses this name of God again. God, Lord of hosts, I need you and your army to come here and to help me in this situation. There was a power disparity, but God would show up and help her. As a result of it, of course, we know the story. She has a baby boy, and that boy becomes Samuel. God shows up for her. This is this Jehovah who shows up when we're bullied. Remember it. Remember it, because sometimes you're bullied at the workplace. Sometimes you're bullied at school. Sometimes you're bullied by your relatives. And God will show up, and he will protect you. And this is good news. If you got nothing else out of this morning, you might not even need it today, but put it on the shelf and know one day I can pull that out. Oh, yes, there is a God who will protect me, who will change the scenario around. And he did that for her. Another time that God shows up to protect us is when we're outnumbered or overpowered. So if you're filling in the blanks, the word is when we are outnumbered. This is a very, very interesting story. It happens to be in 2 Kings chapter 6. So if you have your Bibles, go over to 2 Kings chapter 6. This is a story about Zerubbabel. It's kind of a fun name to say, Zerubbabel. You want to try it? Just say it again, Zerubbabel. Somebody said, no, I don't want to try that. Okay. <laughs> Second Kings chapter 6, Zerubbabel. It's kind of fun to say. Uh, now, you'll recognize the verse, Zerubbabel, uh, in the context here. Uh, you'll recognize, um, oh, no, that's not Zerubbabel. I'm sorry. I've jumped to point number three. We're not talking about Zerubbabel. We're talking about Elisha. Well, that's fun to say too, but not as much fun. Elisha. There's Elijah. Don't confuse Elisha with Elijah. Elisha comes after Elijah. The way I remember is that J comes before S. Elijah, Elisha. So we're with that story. Okay, 2 Kings chapter 6. And this is a story about Elijah and his servant. It's kind of a cool story. If you have time, you can read it later on uh, today. And the, the story is what happens is Israel is being attacked by the king of Syria. The king's pretty sneaky, this king of Syria. What he does is he has his army, and they go out, these raiders, and they set up their camp to attack Israel, where Israel, the king might be going. They kind of set up these ambushes. But the king is really frustrated because every time he sets up this ambush, the king of Israel hears about it, finds out about it, and he goes a different way. So this happens a number of times. And finally, the king of Syria says, okay, all my captains, all you guys who are part of this team, I, ha- I want to have a meeting. Let's have a conference session because I got a problem. Every t- Who's the spy? Who's the double agent? Who's the narc? Because one of you guys is telling the enemy about our plans. Who is that? And they all look around and say, no, it's not us. We're not doing that, king. Well, how does the king of Israel know every time I send out this mission, he knows exactly where I am. Somebody's telling him. Who's telling him? They said, it's Elisha. Who's Elisha? Well, he's this prophet over in Israel, and God tells him what you're saying even in your bedroom, and so he's telling everything to the king. He goes, I am going to get this guy. And so he gets his army, and he, I mean, and it says a great army. He gets his horses, his chariots, a great army. He said, what city's in? Well, we know he's in Dothan. So they get this army, and they surround the entire city after one man, Elisha. Elisha's got a servant. He's got an assistant with him. And we'll pick up the story in 2 Kings chapter 6. He's after him. 
Second Kings chapter 6, we'll pick up the story in verse number 12. And one of his servants said, none, my Lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet who's in Israel tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. So he said, go and see where he is that I may send and get him. And it was told him saying, surely he is in Dothan. Therefore, he sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. Can you get that picture in your mind? The city, army surrounding it, horses, chariots. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots, and a servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? Can you get the picture? Early in the morning, the assistant gets up, rubs the sleep out of his eyes, reaches for a Starbucks, goes outside, and he goes, oh, my goodness, we have a problem. We are totally surrounded. It's just, you know, the, our instincts either flight or fight, right? We can't run. We can't fight. We're backed into a corner. And sometimes you're in that corner. You can't fight your way out. You can't run from your problem. What do you do? That's why we have this Lord of hosts. And so he, listen what Elijah said, Elisha says. Verse 16, so he answered, do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. When you're in that situation, when you're a follower of God, when he is your father, no matter who you are, no matter if you're outnumbered or outpowered, remember, there are more with you than there are with them. If God be for you, who can be against you? I'm preaching to somebody this morning. You are not outnumbered. And this is what Elisha says to him. Now, the servant is looking with his physical eyes, and his spiritual eyes are not seeing what's out there in the spiritual realm. And so what Elisha does, he says, I pray, Father, that you would open his spiritual eyes that he could see what's going on in the spiritual realm. Because in the spiritual realm, which is even more real than this natural realm, there are real angels, there's a demonic force, there's an angelic force, and God is the Lord of this angelic force. He's the Lord of hosts. And so Elisha pray, Elisha prays. Verse 17, he prays, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots and fire all around Elisha. And this guy, for a moment, he sees into the spiritual realm. That's rare to be able to do that. In the New Testament, there's something called the gift of discernment of spirits, where for a moment you could see what's going on in the spiritual realm. We don't have that all the time. Not all of us will experience that, but for some people, they've seen an angel. They see what takes place in the spiritual realm. The reason we don't have that all the time, you know why? Because we'd get goofy if we did, and so we don't have it all the time. But every once in a while, God will show you what's going on in the spiritual realm, but it's very real, and he gives a servant a peek into the spiritual realm, and there are literally thousands and thousands of angel army there with him. And Elisha, he's cool. He's not sweating it because he knows he's okay. So what happens next is actually kind of funny. And you can read it later on if you want to, but I'll summarize it for you. Elisha prays. He says, God, would you temporarily just blind this army? So all of a sudden, none of this army can see. And so Elisha comes out and he says, are you guys looking for somebody? I can show you where he is. So he takes the entire army and he leads him over to Samaria where the king of Israel is. The king of Israel says, ah, you've got them all here. You've captured the whole works. Should we kill him? He says, no, don't kill him. Give him something to eat and send him home. And so they give him something to eat. They send him home. And it says in verse 23 that Syrian army never came and bothered them again. Sounds like God is at work. And for some of you, God wants to be at work in your life 
because there's some people and some things that never should bother you again. Would you invite him? Would you invite the Lord of hosts into your situation like Elisha did? If you're bullied, if you're outnumbered, overpowered, Jehovah, the Father protects, is there for you. All right, let's go on to the third case. If you're taking notes, our Father's there for us and protects us when a mountain stands in front of our dreams. Yeah. A mountain stands in front of our dreams. Because this is, this is good to remember. Not only God does he want to protect you, he wants to protect your dreams. Because you have a dream, I have a dream. God gives you dreams and purposes. And sometimes we hit a mountain, we hit an obstacle, and just like, God. And we, we give up on our dream. We abort it. We, we, we abandon it. And our Father wants to protect the dream that we have. He wants us to be able to finish what he's put in our heart to do. It causes us to trust him. It causes us to put our faith in him. God, help me to accomplish what's put in my heart to do. And this is what we have in this next story. Now we're to Zerubbabel, that fun word to say we're with the story of Zerubbabel. Zechariah chapter 4, 6, and 7. So if you have your Bibles, go there. If not, I put some of the notes on your handout. You have it there. Zechariah 4, 6, and 7. Would you say with me this morning, thank you, Lord, for the book of Zechariah. One day when you get to heaven, you can say, hey, Zach, you got a cool book. I read your book. It's good. And uh, yeah. Anyhow, we're going to read what Zach had to say. Zechariah chapter 4, 67. Now, you'll recognize this verse. I'll quote part of it, and you finish it for me. Not by might, nor by power, but by my... Okay, we know that verse. Great verse. Not our might, not our power, but by his spirit. What's the context around the verse? Where does this verse get inserted? Why is Zechariah saying this? Actually, an angel is speaking to Zechariah this. Here's a background to the story. There's a guy named Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel comes from, he was born in Babylon. He's coming back with them when they were taken captive back to Jerusalem. He is the political leader, civic leader, religious leader of the day. And his dream is to rebuild the temple. Martin Luther King said, I have a dream. Zerubbabel has a dream. His dream is to rebuild the temple. And he's coming back into Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. Solomon had originally built it. David was Solomon's daddy. David had got lots of supplies ready for rebuilding the temple. He had got lots of lumber, gold, silver supplies, David couldn't build a temple, so Solomon builds a temple. When Solomon goes to build a temple, all the supplies are there, and he builds a temple. Zerubbabel doesn't have a daddy like that. Zerubbabel has to come back, and he needs to find supplies to rebuild the temple, and it looks like there's a big obstacle in front of him to rebuild the temple that was once there before. Big obstacle. Have you ever felt like you didn't have enough supplies, enough resources to accomplish your dream? You know what? God will protect your dream. It will not be by your might, will not be by your power, but by his spirit. This is what God's saying to him. Zechariah, give this message. It won't be your might. It won't be your strength, but my spirit will be there with you. Wow. Because sometimes we need God to protect the purposes in our heart. And he's speaking this message here to uh, Zerubbabel through Zechariah. Okay, you ready? Here we are. Zechariah 4, 6, and 7. So he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. Says who? The Lord of hosts. Here's that name of God again. This Lord of the angel armies is speaking. Then verse 7, you're going to like this. 
Who are you, oh great mountain? That's what you need to say to your obstacle this morning. Who are you, big obstacle? The only reason you can say that is because you got the big guy with you. That's why you can say that. Who are you? I don't know who that guy was who pulled up and wanted to run us off the road, but I could have said to, who are you? (laughs) Oh, great, bad driver, who are you? (laughs) And you can say, who are you, oh, mountain? Who are you, oh, lack? Who are you, oh, this? Who are you? I have God, the Lord of hosts, with me. You are outnumbered, not me. You know, David said the same thing to Goliath when Goliath came after him. He says, who are you, Goliath, to taunt us? And he says, I have Yahweh said by oath or the Lord of hosts with me. Who are you to taunt us? You're just a goon. I have got this Lord of hosts with me. Who are you? That's what he spoke to Goliath. This is what the angel says here. Say to this mountain. That sounds something like Jesus once said. Whoever shall say to this mountain, who are you, O great mountain? Then it goes on to say, before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain. There's a prophetic word for you this morning. Your obstacle shall become a plain. Your dream will not be abolished. Your dream will be protected by the Father of hosts. You know, there's a verse in the Bible that I like. It says, I will go ahead of you. I will make the rough places smooth. I will shatter the doors of bronze. I'll cut through the iron bars. I will grant you the treasure in secret places in order that you might know is I, the Lord God of Israel, who called you by your name. Isaiah 45. I will go ahead of you. I'll make rough places smooth. I will protect your dream. You got an obstacle. Just call upon me. That verse, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Yes. Your dream, your purpose, your calling will be saved. We call upon this powerful name of our Lord. And this is what happened there. They called upon the name of the Lord. And it says, and a capstone is going to be put on it with shouts of what? Grace, grace to it. Grace is God's favor, his power, his blessing when we don't deserve it. And he comes along, accomplished the thing, but it's by the grace of God. We have been saved not by our works, but by the grace of God. Amen? And so when God, when we have a problem, we can't get through it. God's grace is extended to us, and that means God has all the bragging rights, not us. Amen? We brag on God, not on what we did. He gets all the credit for what happened through our lives. So God's there to protect us when a mountain stands in front of us. If we're bullied, if we're outnumbered, overpowered, this Lord of hosts is there to protect us. Look at this verse in closing, Psalm 24, 9 and 10. It's in your notes. Great verse. It says, open up, O ancient gates. Open up, ancient doors. Let the king of glory enter. Who is the king of glory? The Lord of heaven's armies. There's that name of God again. He is the king of glory. And then Psalm 84, 12. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Blessed are we. When we trust, put our faith in the Lord of hosts. But if we didn't know about it, if we didn't know that was his name, if we didn't know that was his attribute, we wouldn't be confident to call on him. The whole purpose for this message this morning is to give you more confidence to call upon that name when you're bullied, when you're outnumbered, where your dream is threatened. Oh, yeah, I can call upon Jehovah, the Lord of hosts. He will be with me and give you faith. My people perish because they don't have the knowledge.
Faith comes by hearing. Trust in God comes by hearing his word. And my prayer this morning is that your trust in God went to another level, that you could call upon him if you have need of him. He is there for you. He is a father who protects his children. Thanks so much for listening to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast. We hope that today's message has inspired you to live a life fully devoted to following Christ. Be sure to check out our website for other ways to watch, listen, or share this message. For more information, go to coastalchurch.org.